This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hey guys, welcome to The Collective. For this first episode, I sat down with The Wind House, which is a local shelter in Edmonton, Alberta, and they basically provide a ton of resources for women and children fleeing from domestic abuse. I think this is such an important topic to be talked about, and I was so lucky that I got to sit down with them and get to know them a little bit more and get to know what it is exactly that they do on a daily basis. Obviously, this is the very first podcast episode, so the audio quality, I'm not even going to lie to you, not great. Um... It's all a learning curve. I promise as we keep going, it'll get so much better, but just keep that in mind. Maybe wear headphones, maybe turn up the volume. I don't know. I honestly think it'll be fine. Yeah, I hope that you guys learn a lot. I hope that it is very insightful and let's get into the episode. I mean, I don't know a ton about the Wind House. But it's actually crazy. One of my mom's friends actually came to us and told us that she used the wind house multiple times and we had no idea. So it kind of shows you how small everything actually is. And I basically want to use my platform. I mean, it's small right now, but it's going to get bigger. I have hopes, but just use it to just, I think the education part of it is so important. I completely agree. And I, I have definitely learned that it is absolutely not the size of the platform, but the engagement, right? Like mm-hmm. there are, there are a lot of accounts out there that have a ton of followers, but yeah. like nothing happens. So, yeah. And I mean, yeah. I always said like, it's great for everyone that wants to support and buy a hoodie, but it's another thing for them to know exactly what they're supporting. And then also, if you don't have the means to actually buy one, it's still really important to just be educated on it. 100%. And myself included. I grew up in Shiva Park. It's very sheltered. So it's very important for me to understand as well. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you then and sharing and helping out however I can. Perfect. Okay. Well, um, could you maybe give a brief explanation of what exactly the Wind House is and like what it is that you guys do? Absolutely. So Wind House, the Women in Need Shelter has been in Edmonton. It's been around for over 50, I think we're at 52 years now that they, that they have been, they've been around. And so they provide resources, support, and shelter to women. And if they have children, so women and children that are fleeing situations of domestic violence. And um, they, they help an incredible number of, of individuals each year. They offer a variety of, of programs. And, uh, and I know we'll, we'll be getting into that, mm-hmm. but um, for sure, like the, the big one is the, they, you know, they have their 24 hour um, helpline and then they, they do have three shelters. We have three shelters in the city to provide that safe space for women and children to go and kind of, you know, figure out the plan. What are their next steps from, from here now that they have gotten out of that situation of domestic violence? That's incredible. I didn't know that it was around for over 50 years. That's a long time. Oh my gosh. Yes. And it was actually started by a group of 
women. I had the honor of meeting one of the women who started it at the gala, at the Windhouse Gala. Gosh, I guess it would have been a couple, two, three years ago now. Yeah. And so it was this group of women that started started Windhouse. Sorry. And what they were seeing is um, there was a lot of women coming into the city by bus. And not really having anywhere to go and then um, being taken advantage of or, you know, seeking shelter and then becoming victims of domestic violence. And so they it kind of started by, I believe it was like three or four women that just were like, hey, we need to do something about this. This isn't right. And, and then here we are today where it's grown to the shelters and all of the programming that they offer. Yeah. Girlies, when you're first starting a business, you have enough to worry about. The stress is overwhelming and there's absolutely no reason you should be adding any more. Luckily for us, Shopify is here to help. Shopify has all the tools to power and build your business to the next level. It grows with your business, no matter how far or big you grow. Thanks to an endless list of integration and third-party apps, Anything you can think of from on-demand printing to accounting to chatbots, everything you need to revolutionize your business, they have. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and they are the global force behind Allbirds, Linen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. As a WTTC listener, you can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash WTTC, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash WTTC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, shopify.com slash WTTC. Okay, girlies, we are talking about our favorites once again. If you've ever had an embarrassing BO moment, Lumi is here to help. Lumi is powered by mandelic acid to control odor in a new way. Lumi delivers outrageous 72-hour odor control from everywhere, including your pits, your feet, and yes, even your privates. And fun fact, but it was actually a patient's concern about their private odor that originally inspired the OBGYN who invented Lumi. I currently have the toasted coconut deodorant and let me tell you, it is my absolute favorite and it smells so good. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers and it comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off their starter pack. Use code WTTC for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's WTTC at L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T dot com. Okay, so my next question is obviously COVID is huge. Um, has it impacted the windhouse? Is it does it affect how many people you're allowed to take in into the shelters at all? Yeah. 
COVID has affected has affected us and and you know shelters across the country and probably well and the globe in in various ways. But the ways in which Windhouse has experienced is, as you mentioned, the reductions in capacity. So, um, you know, we're just we're not able to have as many people because of those COVID restrictions. Um, but another really big way that we have seen COVID impacted is the way in which women reach out for help and support. And so, um, you know, kind of what's happening is if, if there's a situation and um, a woman's in, in a home where there's domestic violence and let's say her partner is at work eight hours a day, right. she has eight hours away from her abuser. She has eight hours in which she can reach out, um, build a plan, ask for support, and all of those things. But in a lot of cases, as we know, with COVID, people are working from home. And so now this maybe eight hour window where she had reprieve from her abuser or was able to, to make these phone calls and get help, that's been kind of taken away. And so we actually, when COVID initially hit, we saw a reduction in calls, even though we knew that didn't correlate to a reduction in cases of domestic violence. And so what we actually saw was a change in the way in which women were or are reaching out to out to Windhouse. So in the past where there may have been more phone calls coming into the helpline, there was a lot more like DMs on social media and we set up a dedicated email address. So just seeing changes in the way that they are reaching out and seeking the help and support was it was a big change. Um, and then also, I mean, with, with COVID, we weren't able to accept in-kind donations, which has always been such a huge, you know, this community is so incredible and so supportive. And so we've not been able to accept in-kind donations and we've had some changes in staffing and all of those things that I know so many different businesses and organizations are all experiencing and we've been impacted in the same way. That was a big thing for me for when I was deciding what shelter I kept thinking, when we go into lockdown, like I'm in a home with a very loving family, but right. a lot of people don't have that situation. And so even like the hand signal, I saw research on that. And so people are using that now as their sign for they need help. And yeah. so I think it's just, I mean, it's very, very sad that like lockdown has caused that a little bit, but also it's very cool how people have different means now to reach out and get help instead of just making a phone call. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, it's true. And then, you know, just being there, it's a, you know, it's another thing that we as just members of the public, like really checking in with people and like, are you okay? And just providing that safe space for them to connect and feel safe that they can ask for help or can ask for support and, you know, shining a light on it because that's one of the big things is, is domestic violence happens. And as we were chatting about earlier, so often people don't even, they have no idea, no idea because it's like this shameful thing, which it, it shouldn't be. And the more that we talk about it and the more that we have these types of conversations, it puts it into you know, that kind of the normal dialogue and that it's okay to bring that up and talk about it 
in groups of friends and in different ways, right? So it's it's making that conversation something that's easier to for people to approach and have. I think that's kind of one of the big issues on it is it's almost like taboo to talk about it and it's not a societal norm. Like it's very, and it's also a very hard topic to talk oh. about. But I think yeah. that when you're uncomfortable in those topics, like those are the ones that you have to talk about. And Absolutely. A very big question that I know a lot of people probably have, but how many people or how many women and like children do you typically see like within like a month or like so often? Because I know for me, when I didn't know much about it, I thought maybe like one person. Yeah. So some of those stats, so the information that I'm pulling, so these were all, this is all information um, based that was on the year ending March 31st, 2020. So in a one-year period, what that looked like for us is we saw 315 women and 413 children. So we were, we, we provided, and that was just, that was the shelter. So our shelters um, provided a safe space for 727 folks, basically. So women and children in, in one year. And that's, that's a pretty, like, that's, it's, it's a lot it's and it's like, and that's not a crazy number that's out of, out of the norm. But another interesting statistic that I wanted to share too, is that in, in that same time period, our helpline received almost 3,400 calls in one year. Now it's the number of people that we had to turn away due to capacity issues was over 2,500. And I want to say when, when I say turned away, we connect them with other resources and and other shelters and other, other means of support. It's not that we just say, sorry, we can't help you. Like there is support and resources and we redirect them to, to where there is capacity. So it's not that they're left without that support. It's just that we as Windhouse did not have the room in our shelter. So that, that kind of, that blows my mind that there is like, there's a huge need. Like, well, a lot of the time you don't really think about it in your own backyard, if that makes sense. Like when you kind of think of these issues, I might think in America or across the world or something, you don't really think about it in Edmonton, where I grew up, where I'm from. It just kind of lets you know that there's a huge need for this. And, and I think another thing that's so important is that domestic violence, like there is no stereotype. So whether we're talking, you know, like it doesn't matter how much money you're earning and what your home and like your home is and um, the, that kind of thing, like that is completely irrelevant because this is, this is an issue that is happening with the the rich with, with middle-class with, with at all levels of economic status, this is an issue that happens. And I think that's also something really important to remember it is that it, it happens with everybody and no one is exempt from it just because of economic status or that type of thing. So, So if someone were to come to the wind house, how long are they allowed to stay in the shelter? And then once they leave the shelter, is it they choose to leave and they have a better situation to go to or kind of like, how does that work? Yes. Um, so what that looks like, so we have three shelters. So mm-hmm. when, when house one and two are shelters that provide 21 day stays. 
So it's, it's a short window, but what that three week window does is it provides, we we like to say it it gives them a chance to catch their breath. So it, it gets these women out of a dangerous situation, connects them with, with a safe place to stay and then so many resources for them to build a plan as to what that next step looks like. So that could look like going on to second stage housing. So there are other shelters in the city that provide that what, what is called second stage housing. So it's, it's like a transition into getting their own place. A lot of times we will help these women transition into their own home, but basically it, it gives us a chance to work with them to get them the help and the support that they need so that we have a plan on what that looks like after the 21 day stay. And then when they do leave our shelter, whether that's to go to second stage housing or into their own housing, we continue to provide them with support with case managers to help them manage that transition and to ensure that they have access to everything that they could need. So that's our, that's our two shelters. And then Our third shelter is called Carol's house and that has a longer term stay, but what that, that home, um, that particular shelter is for immigrant refugee and trafficked women. So women that are dealing with, you know, on top of the, the domestic violence situation, we have these added complexities of, of immigration status and language barriers and those types of things. And, and, potentially other crimes that have been committed against them. And so that, that home provides a longer stay so that we can help them really navigate the the different systems and and get them the support that they need. So we do have that, that longer stay housing available for women in those specific circumstances. So is there an age requirement? If you're not the child of someone is there a certain, you have to be 18? Like that's what yeah. I would assume. Yes. Yeah, so it's for, for adults. Um, when you're under that legal age, then it's different agencies that are going to be um, stepping in and, um, you know, providing the resources and support. So yeah, it's, it's, we see people from 18 and up and then obviously their children that they have with them. So, and that can be babies, youth, teens, like their children can come with, with them, obviously, right. If that, what happens. And I mean, I know when I was emailing about different sizes of the hoodies, I didn't understand how many children actually come to these shelters. Like I didn't Mm -hmm. understand that children's sizes are just as in need. And Yeah. yeah, that was huge for me because I just assume it's just like females and they come and I didn't fully understand how many kids actually have to come with them. Absolutely. Yes. And I mean, you know, you can see it in those numbers that, that I shared so many, so many of the women are, are coming with their children and we really work so hard to try and provide the, the children that come some sense of normalcy. And, um, you know, oftentimes if, if they have just left, um, they're leaving with very minimal, supplies and clothing. And so they're often coming with just what they're wearing. Maybe they do have a bag packed. And so it's really important for us that we can, we can give them the opportunity to get all of those like basic necessities and have that feeling not like this overwhelming piece of the puzzle as well. So yeah, it is, but I know I'm, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Cause you're like, it's, 
it's for women fleeing domestic violence. And then, but to see that other aspect of it and the number of children that come through as well is pretty incredible. Yeah. It's very eye opening. You were saying that the Wind House provides other resources. So could you just explain a little bit about them? Like I'm thinking like you provide like therapy or the children like academics if they can't go to school or something like that. Yes. So in addition to the shelters, like I mentioned, we have the obviously the helpline. We have crisis intervention. Uh, we've got child support. So actually providing the, you know, watching the children while mom has to go and deal with any of the number of things, getting them into school. So we do have a school for the children of Windhouse that they, that they go to so that they can keep up on that part of things. We also have a, a pet program so that when they're fleeing, if they're bringing their animal with them, because believe it or not, that, that is, um, a pet can also be a tool that the abuser uses to ha- to ex- exert control over their partner. Right. And um, there are a lot of people that will stay because they don't want to leave their pet behind. Yeah. And so having that pet program where they can bring their pet and then we have their pet cared for while they're getting everything sorted out. We have that. We have um, counseling. Like you said, we connect them with, with, the appropriate resources in that intensive case counseling, we do outreach and planning and we, we help them with their safety planning um, and, and that type of thing. We have a family empowerment room, which is like a sensory room. So um, especially for children that have experienced a lot of trauma, those sensory rooms are a really powerful tool to help them process what they're, what they're working through. So we really, we have a full range of in-house services and then great working relationships with a variety of agencies around the city to provide all of those other pieces of support and, um, you know, and resources that the women would need. And there's actually, you know, within the shelter, um, there are, there's like these really special communities that are built within with the women that are staying there and that ability to connect over something that like, while each situation is, is so different and so unique, there is that common bond of what they're going through and trying to process. And so that can also be really beneficial for a lot of, a lot of women to just have that person that is going no, not alone in it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So if someone was in need of help, I know that you said you can call, you have the email, you have the crisis line. What if they aren't ready to come to the shelter? Is there like another resource that they could use to kind of get the steps to prep them to come to the shelter if they're not fully ready to just commit right now? Absolutely. And the best thing that they can do is reach out to the helpline. So that's on the website and I'll just say it here so that it's easily Mm -hmm. accessible. So that number is 780-479-0058. And when they call that helpline, they're connected with a uh, with somebody that can help them with a safety plan and, you know, figure out what what is going on in their situation and what can those next steps be? And to be honest, sometimes people are calling and they're, they're like, is this abuse? Um, Because it's, it's something that maybe we're like, 
is it? And you know, you start to doubt yourself and that's part of the cycle of abuse as well, that gaslighting and, and such. But, um, that is such a great resource to call and connect with, and they will walk you through all of it. And, and like I said, build that safety plan, build that exit strategy, because sometimes right when they're calling, I mean, ob- you know, obviously if it's immediate danger, they need to call 911 and get the, get the police involved, but it, it may not be safe for them to leave right at that moment. And so they need to build that plan with somebody who is trained in exactly that to build that out in the safest way possible to get, you know, build that exit strategy to get them out of the home. So I would definitely say that helpline and, um, or the help at windhouse.org email as an alternative, but the website, it has a ton of resources on it as well, but I would say definitely phone or email and they'll be connected with a really incredible support that will get them through the situation and help them with that planning. Do you have any advice for any women that are, I mean, in these situations? I know it's kind of hard if you don't actually go through it yourself, but. I I think what the biggest things that I would say there are that you are worthy of a better life, that, that, you know, that old adage of like love shouldn't hurt and, um, understanding what abuse is understanding like and knowing that you're not alone and to get help that that they can reach out there are find those safe people in your network or reach out to Windhouse or one of the other shelters in the city get that help because you deserve better and um you know they can they can walk you through it so that you know what to expect so I mean, that, that would be my plea is just like, please know you're not alone and please know you can, you can reach out for help. And there are people that are here to support you and get you into a better situation. Well, I mean, that's why I think it's so important to acknowledge all the different resources because sometimes people might just not know what resources they actually have and they just think they're stuck in the situation that they're in. So I think it's just so important just to raise awareness. Yes. I I completely agree. And awareness is such a critical part of it. Like you said, just knowing, even just knowing what, what people can have access to and that there, there are things out there for them to help them get through this and to get them into a better situation. That's such a huge piece of it. So what are the best ways people can donate to the one house is monetary really big or I mean physical items I know right now in COVID it might be a little bit different the best ways right now that that people can support Windhouse are our financial so that monetary donation or or a gift card donation are those are both incredible COVID has affected our ability to accept in-kind donations at this moment um but I always want to say too that there are other ways to support because not everybody is in a financial situation where they can support from a monetary perspective. And so having conversations, sharing, sharing the posts from Windhouse, like sharing what, what they're sharing on social media, starting those conversations, you know, that, that awareness piece and letting people know about the work that Windhouse is doing in the community is so important as well, because Yes, we've been around for for over 50 years, but there are still so many people that don't know about the work that we do in the community. So that awareness piece is is such an important and valuable part of it and and is so appreciated as well. So definitely 
to, for people to know that they can support us through that awareness and education building and sharing the messages that we put out there is incredible. Another big thing is how can someone support someone that's going through domestic abuse? I know it's kind of a touchy subject and you don't want to do something that could trigger them or I mean, hinder them in any way. I think the best way that we can show up, if it's somebody in our life, whether that be a friend or a family member is to be there to listen Mm -hmm. and support and know that we we're not equipped with the tools to fix it. We can be there to listen, Um, ask them how we can support them. What, what is it that they need from us? Um, I have a a good friend who's a psychologist and she uses the analogy of be a heart with ears. So just be there to listen. Like we don't need to talk. We don't need to try to fix it with our words. We can just be there to support them. And, and yeah, like I said, ask them, ask them what they need and show up how they need you to. And I think that's really the best thing that we can do because we're not the trained professionals to fix it. That's, Mm -hmm. that's what the team at, for example, Windhouse is there to do. They, they know what they're doing. They're the professionals. So as, as the person's loved ones, we can just be there to support them in the best way that we can. Especially because each person is very different, right? So what one person needs, another person might not need. And so that's such good advice that you should just ask them what it is that they need in that situation and then provide it for them. Yes, absolutely. What do you see for the future of the Wynn House? Well, I mean, we we would love it if we weren't needed, but... Um, the reality is, is, is that we are. And so in terms of what I see for the future of Windhouse, I absolutely, we will continue to be here showing up to support the women and children in our community that need us. We yeah. want to be here to educate and provide um, the opportunities for people to have conversations. And that's going to be also a big piece for us moving forward is is having conversations with folks of all ages because these are conversations that we need to be having with our youth with our friends with with everybody it's not a topic that we should be avoiding and the reality is too for us to have a significant impact on reducing and eliminating domestic violence yeah. We need to talk to our, our boys and to our girls and, and teach them what a healthy relationship is, what it looks like. And, um, you know, like I said, have the conversations, provide spaces for them to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. It's so important that they understand and that they know that this is, this is a topic that we can, we can talk about. So if we start the education when they're younger, we're raising a totally different mindset of youth, right? And I think that's so important. I think that's so that's so key is that we have to start it with our youth and what we teach them. And I think that's so true. And that's such a good outlook on how we should approach this. Is there anything else that you would like people to know about the Wynn House or about domestic abuse? I think you know, one thing I would love to leave everyone with is that domestic violence thrives in silence. It thrives in darkness. And so by us having these conversations and not avoiding topics related to domestic abuse, 
we are, we're shining a light on it. And that's what we need to do. We need to shine a light on domestic violence and we need to work really hard to, to remove that stigma and the shame that comes along with that. And we need to, we, we need to have the conversations. We need to educate our youth. We need to shine a light on it. Those are the biggest things. And, you know, Windhouse is so grateful to the support for the support of folks like yourself who show up and bring awareness to the work that we're doing and to the issue of domestic violence. So thank you for supporting us <laughs> and for showing up and, and giving us the opportunity to share, share with you and, and your, your network about, about the work that we do and, and what we're doing. So I just want to thank you for, for this opportunity and, and, you know, taking action because action is key, right? Like, it's, we need to learn that's so important, but we need to take that, that actionable step to start making a difference. And that's exactly what you're doing. So I commend you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you for, I mean, educating me on all these different questions and topics, because I, for sure, I was very naive in it. And I'll be the first to say that. So I think it's very important for me to learn it. And then again, I can go spread more awareness on it. The more I know, the more other people will know. And then I also think the more people know, the more they will want to do to help. It's so true. Yeah. Right? That, that knowledge is power. And I think when we, when we know, I, I truly do believe in the, the goodness of human beings in general. And I think when we know better, we do better. Yeah. And, and once people are empowered with that knowledge, most people are like, yeah, like I need to do something. I can't just sit idly by knowing that this is going on. And so it's, it's such an important part of it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It was so nice to meet you. And thank you again for your support of Windhouse. We really appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. So that was my interview with the Windhouse. Um, I know I learned a lot. I'm hoping that all of you took a lot away from that as well. Like I said, so sorry about the audio. It's getting better. We are, it's, it's on the come up. We are figuring things out. Um, I promise it'll get better, but thank you guys so much for listening. If you made it all the way to the end and don't forget to subscribe to it. I feel like a YouTuber, but don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Um, I'm hoping to have a lot more interviews with a lot more organizations very soon. And also, maybe just some fun episodes about life in general. I am a 23-year-old girl going through life. So I feel like I probably have quite a few stories that I could share that are fun and exciting and funny in some way. But thank you guys so much again, and I will see you in the next episode. I won't see you. First of all, because of the pandemic. Second, because this is an audio recording. Okay, let's try this again. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I, I don't like what do I hope you tune into the, what do you say at the end of a podcast? What the heck do you actually say? I don't know. Okay. Thank you guys so much for like, I don't what, what do you say at the end? How do I sign this off? Okay. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope that you tune in to the next episode. Is that better?
Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the mom room podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood.